Hey, what's good, everybody? Welcome to a solo flight episode of the South Boys Podcast. It's just me, Angelo, and unfortunately, a boy or our boy Tristan is taking time off due to personal reasons. Tan, if you're listening, you're in our minds and hearts and prayers up. Guys, you know the drill. Like us on Facebook, the South Boys Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at South Boys Pod and on Instagram, South Boys Podcast. Or if you're old school, you can also email us your inquiries, shoutouts, questions to our email address, southboys.podcast at gmail.com. All right, I'm recording this March 28th in the evening. We're a couple of days past the NBA trade deadline, and it was a doozy. A record-breaking 45 players switched jerseys on the deadline itself. So to add some context, that is more than... 10% of the players in the league, thank you Yahoo Sports. I think I can speak for everybody that we were taken by surprise by the sudden avalanche of deals that went through during the deadline. So since I'm still on the Justice League's neither cut high like Flash in the film's climax, I'm going to try to tap into the speed force by discussing the trade headlines in lightning speed and keep this under a and keep this episode under 20 minutes, hopefully, and hopefully not turn this into a four-hour podcast. So first, for the biggest trade, the Cleveland Cavaliers and JaVale McGee. I'm just kidding, of course. It's the Orlando Magic trading two-time All-Star Nikola Vucevic and Al Farouk Aminu to the Chicago Bulls for Wendell Carter Jr., Otto Porter Jr., and two future first-round picks. So Levine and Vucevic, the 2021 version of Kobe and Shaq, hold your horses, Chicago fans, but definitely they're already one of the deadliest guard big combo in the league. We all know Zach Levine is having a monster season this year, and arguably also the best season for Vooch. He is on pace to become the first player in NBA history, to average 20 and 10 and 40% from 3 on 5 attempts per game for a full season. Thank you, StatMuse. In case you have been been watching much of Vooch and the Orlando Magic, well, who does anyway, right? The Bulls have in their hands one of the complete offensive big men in the league. He's a beast in the post. Uh, he's got the mid-range game. He's shooting 45% from mid-range 3-pointer. Cash. He's also shooting shooting 45% from three. His 3.8 assists per game is good for sixth among centers. So overall, he's averaging 24-11-3. And, and ooh, that pick-and-pop game with Zach Levine is going to be fire. As I'm recording this, Chicago is 10th in the East. That's good for the play-in tournament with the 19-24 and 24 record. So do I expect them to compete for the championship this year? Of course not. But a stray Kirby would love to say, the Bulls are back. They may still not be one of the top teams in the East. But this trade puts them up on another tier when it comes to relevancy in the NBA. And for me, this makes them one of the most exciting teams to look out for in the second half of the season. And next up, let's talk about the notable wings on the move to playoff contenders. First, the Denver Nuggets get Aaron Gordon and Gary Clark, while the Magic gets Gary Harris, 
RJ Hampton and future first round picks. Well, the Magic finally got tired of waiting for Aaron Gordon to turn into a superstar. And maybe the Nuggets got their Jeremy Grant replacement in this deal. So if uh, you remember, Denver started off the wrong foot this season. But with the MVP favorite Nikola Jokic steering the ship, they're now fifth in the West. So clearly they're lacking that third guy behind Jokic and Murray. And for me, Gordon fills that void. He's averaging a decent 14, 6, and 4 this year. Maybe this is the role that Gordon is uh, destined to be and not the go-to guy that the Magic wanted him to be, right? Um, He's playing with now and with the Nuggets. He's playing with one of the best passers in the league. So the pressure's off him. The pressure's off Gordon, though he'll need to learn and perfect to move without the ball to be effective in the Nuggets system. Uh, I see him settling in that role successfully. Then defensively, he has the upside also and athleticism to guard the LeBron James and the Kawhis and the West. And to add to that, I also expect Mike Malone to insert him in the starting five ahead of Michael Porter Jr. Hopefully, MPJ can be the firepower off the bench um, a la Jordan Clarkson for the Nuggets. And if all things work, I won't be sur- surprised if the Nuggets have another bubble-like run in them. So to another wing, we're not yet done with the magic. The Boston Celtics trade Jeff Teague and two future second-round picks for Evan Fournier. So first of all, don't fall for it. And Google Fournier's name, it's not worth it, guys. You just have to know that Evan Fournier is one of the sneakiest offensive wings we have in the league. He's averaging a career-high 19 points per game this season. Well, what can I say about him? He's at his best in catch-and-shoot situations or maybe catch-and-decide situations. Uh, He can shoot the three. He's averaging two makes this season, and he can also put the ball on the floor and finish with a floater in the lane. Um, He also has a little playmaking game in him. He can run the pick and roll occasionally, uh, which the Celtics, I think, badly needs right now. Another creator on offense because outside of their all-stars in Tatum and Brown, Boston is struggling to put points on the board. Yes, they have Kemba. They got Kemba back, but from a major injury, and he's not yet back to his all-star form. So Fournier can help on that department for Boston, and hopefully the Celtics can get out of the slump as they're currently a game below 500, guys. They're seventh in the East. So do we have another wing on the move? Yes, we do. The Portland Trailblazers trades Norman Powell from the Toronto Raptors for Gary Trent and Rodney Hood. You may be thinking, isn't that the same thing? Well, no. For starters, Norman Powell is the best offensive player out of the three. Uh, So the Blazers are kind of shifting left here. He's averaging 19 points per game and 44% from three, while Gary Trent is only averaging eight points per game, and Rodney Hood has just played one game all season long. So 
We already know how devastating the backcourt combo of Lillard and McCollum, plus a slight mellow reconnaissance, a healthy use of Nurkic, and the addition of Norman Powell. The Blazers are looking like one of the most explosive teams in the West. So lastly, in the Wings on the Move series, arguably the most impactful, the Miami Heat gets Victor Oladipo from the Houston Rockets for a sack of potatoes, also known as Kelly Olenek, Avery Bradley, and a 2022 pick swap. Okay, to be fair, it's the best sack of potatoes in the market, I guess. You know, Olenek and Bradley are not that bad, but it's one hell of a deal made by the godfather in Pat Riley. So for the past seasons, Oladipo has been vocal about wanting to go to Miami, and on the deadline, it finally happened. It's been a roller coaster ride for the Black Panther when he got traded to Indiana. Uh, if you guys remember, he was the number one option and was on the verge of being a bona fide all star uh, or superstar in the league, but a major knee injury derailed him. So, since then and after a slew of nagging injuries, he, nar- he never. Um, quite got back to all-star form and then he got traded to Houston so when you look at his stats in the 20 games he played in Houston this season you can say he's he's like back to his old self averaging 21 4 and 5 and a steal per game but shooting just a lowly 40 percent from the field so he's been wildly inconsistent all year of course still adjusting from his injuries though he's shown flashes of his game that earned him the most improved player in 2018. So for the Heat, the question is, can he be more useful than harmful? Maybe we'll see a Gordon Hayward-like situation last year in Boston in the bubble where Hayward was almost a non-factor coming back from the injury and the Celtics were better off not playing him uh, in the bubble, right? But for me, don't doubt Heat culture uh, with a 70 or 80% Oladipo. The Heat gets another two-way player to pair up with Jimmy Butler. And as long as Oladipo stays in his lane, knows the pecking order, doesn't try to do too much, for me, Miami is back in business to once again knock off the Goliaths in the East. All right. Uh, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, let's talk about Rajon Rondo, Kyle Lowry, and some side notes. And we're back. The Clippers deal Lou Williams to the Hawks for Rajon Rondo. So this one for me is the trade that is maybe overlooked, but can have a huge impact down the line. So first, the impact of Lou Williams in the Atlanta Strip Club's revenue and the impact of playoff Rondo in the Clippers. So based on experience, do not, I repeat, do not judge Rondo's performance during the regular regular season because playoff Rondo is a real thing. We We've seen that with... The Pelicans, and we've seen that last year with the Lakers en route to his second ring. He was the third best player in that championship team, and without him, the Lakers may not have won the title. 
he was shooting like Steph Curry and facilitating like Magic Johnson and I'm not even exaggerating. So for the Clippers, it gives them this stabilizing agent, which they didn't have last year in that infamous meltdown and a table setter when it matters in the playoffs. Kawhi even stated he's not comfortable being the guy running the offense in every play. So having Rondo relieves that pressure off Kawhi. And of course, Paul George also. Look, they are superstars in their own rights. Um, but PG is not a true blue leader. And obviously, you won't hear anything come out of Kawhi's mouth, the machine that he is. So also, Rondo is bringing that intangible leadership uh, to the table, which is invaluable for the Clippers and guys, we're like 12 minutes into the episode and we're down to our last headline. Kyle Lowry is staying put in Toronto slash Tampa Bay Raptors. I gotta be honest, this was anticlimactic F. There were rumors upon rumors about where Lowry was headed. Was he gonna go to Philly? Was he gonna go to the Lakers? Miami, etc., etc. But at the end of the day... He didn't move an inch. So finally, Philly decided to get George Hill as their consolation, which is also an excellent pick for them, in my opinion. Then the Lakers were non-traders in the deadline. And Miami settled for just Oladipo. So I know I may be cheating here, but just a couple of side notes before we end. What's with people in deadlines, huh? Um... In all walks of life, people just have to wait for the deadline to do or complete something. And the NBA is not an exception as we found out or, you know, having this trade deadline event. Uh, We as people, I think, need to improve on this. Um, Stop waiting for the deadline, guys. So kudos for teams that made trades before the deadline, like uh, shout out to the Bucks for making that. PJ Tucker trade six days before the deadline. So guys, please, 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 let's improve on this and not wait for deadlines. Second side note for those of you keeping score, the Woj bomb dominated Shams for the most trades reported first during the deadline. And if you remember, Shams got the upper hand during free agency so the series, I guess, is tied 1-1, folks. For those of you keeping score, it's 1-1 for uh, Adrian Wojnarowski and Shams. So last side note before we end, keep an eye out for the buyout, guys. We won't be seeing any more trades, but we'll still maybe see players switching teams because guys like Andre Drummond and LaMarcus Aldridge have reached a buyout agreement with their respective teams and they're currently in talks with other teams that they may sign with. So it'll be interesting where they'll land uh, because I think they're they can change the landscape depending on the teams they'll sign with. So this has been the trade deadline speed force episode. Ladies and gents, thank you for listening and we out.